Let's cut to the chase. The world of work is changing. There is no stopping that change. Welcome to the Better Work Project, brought to you by the team at SoftEd. I am your host, David Mantica, and joining me as co-host is Andy Cooper. In this podcast, we will explore the changing world of work, what the future of work means, how it affects businesses and workers alike, and how we can create more productive and engaged workplaces. I hope you join us for the ride. Enjoy. Well, we're back. Episode 11. Andy, say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Andy. Someday he's going to be able to do the introduction, but I'm such a narcissist. I think I'll I'll, I'll keep the introductions to myself. What do you think? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) So funny. Okay. So we are here for episode 11, the future of learning, unlearning, and the power of being uncomfortable. First off, I want to introduce a phenomenal guest speaker, Stephen Dowling. Stephen, go ahead and tell us about yourself, please. Oh, thanks, David. Um, yeah, I don't know about phenomenal, but uh, um, I'm, I'm a, probably t- people can tell from my accent of a proud Irishman. I'm living in uh, lockdown Melbourne at the moment, which is pretty pretty grim at the moment, but hopefully we're, we're getting through it. Um, I think I've got a pretty interesting mixed background. I started off life as a management accountant working in industry for a while and then I was looking for a bit more excitement and I fell into doing um, project type work. Um, Got to the stage of managing big transformational type projects, ERP, SAP, JD Edwards. Um, Was doing that for many years. Then I moved to Melbourne about 15 years ago. wanted to do something a bit different. Um, and then I set up my company, which is all about teaching, started off teaching project management um, and got to the stage of sort of considering myself to be probably one of the top trainers here in, in, in Australia. And then I realized there was um, what I was doing was good, but it wasn't good enough. And then I wanted this journey to try and understand all this agile lean stuff. Um, and then I realized, oh my God, there's, there's some big gaps in, in what I know. And then I, I learned a lot about that, moved into that space. And then really from the start of this year, I've now pivoted into um, the unlearning space because I believe this is the, 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 the really big area where I believe I can make a difference. Um, my big passion is trying to make sense out of stuff. I'm, 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 I'm a simple Irishman and I like to be able to explain things really simply. Um, you probably can't, well, you won't see it here, but I've got a quote that sits above my desk here by Einstein. And it basically says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. So that's really, my, my passion is helping people to sort of make sense out of stuff and, and, and navigate through the, the kind of complex world we're, we're living in today. That was fantastic, Stephen. And it's interesting. I used a quote from the movie Philadelphia when Denzel Washington's character says, you know, explain it to me like I'm a six-year-old. And that's <laughs> the way your passion is right up my alley. So I'll be able to learn a lot from you. That's for sure. Um, I certainly learn a lot whenever Andy speaks as well. So let's jump into the introduction of the topic itself. So I'll start by taking a quote from Stephen's, one of Stephen's articles. And you'll find out that I'll be adding a a couple more quotes throughout the duration of the podcast because I read before this podcast. And as Andy and I were joking before the session, 
very seldom that I actually read. So I, I'm very, very well prepared here. And it's exciting because there's some great information. So what um, Stephen's article, the quote from the article says, before we can learn a new way, we need to unlearn the old. I was like, wow. And so have you ever thought about it that way before? Add this to the point of fact, again, from Stephen's articles. The latest thing and the latest thinking in neuroscience reckons that 95% to 97% of what happens in our brain is automatic responses based on our subconscious mind. Okay, so if we want to adapt and adjust, <laughs> we must learn, but to truly learn, we must unlearn or our brain will just keep doing what it was trained to do. So I put in big exclamation points here, ouch, it is kind of scary. Now put VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity on top of all this. And what you get is what we see in today's crazy world. Chaos, fear, dread, et cetera, et cetera. It isn't all doom and gloom. There are skills and techniques you can gain to support the unlearning and learning process to enable you to change based on the needs of this ever-changing world. So... Let's jump in and learn and unlearn, pun intended. So Stephen, you have some initial insights you want to add before we start pummeling you with questions. Yeah, no, it's just, you know, it's, um, it's, it's such an interesting one that, you know, and, and like I was saying, the journey that I've gone on, you know, where a lot of times I was sort of down in the weeds of, you know, trying to figure out sort of um, methods and frameworks and practices and processes and stuff and then you realize what's the really big stuff and and to me that the mindset and the beliefs that we have is is the huge thing and like you say there david you know we we operate on autopilot most of the time you don't realize it um but then the really positive thing is that you know as humans we are the number one apex predator on the planet and we have this incredible ability to change and adapt. So it's like this sort of, you know, two ends of a spectrum kind of thing, you know, and you think about our brain, our, our brain is wired for two things over and above everything else. One is it's all about trying to keep you alive. And then the second was, is it's, it's wired for efficiency because it's the thing that's controlling everything. So, so, so you've got, and it wants to be able to do things as efficiently as it can. So, so, so this is the really fascinating thing. You know, we've got the ability to be able to change, but then we're fighting against the, the way our brain has, has evolved to try and do it. So I, I just find it's, it's so interesting. Um, you know, and, and, and the, to me, you know, this learning, um, you know, when I look at um, on learning, you, you know, when we think about our, ourselves, we have, uh, I think of like a water bottle. If we have a water bottle and, you know, we all have knowledge and skills and beliefs that we have that we're operating on. And the thing about it is that, you know, if you want to um, learn something new, it's not always a compounding thing where you learn on top of what you've learned in the past. You've got to be able, if there's something that's fundamentally different, you've got to be able to empty out some of the water to make space. Um, and that's really the really important part of unlearning, I believe, for me. Andy, any thoughts that you have on that initial commentary? Anything that you want to interject as we start, as we get ready to jump into the detailed questions? No, just probably just reiterate that. I mean, obviously a lot of research around this, this whole, this topic, um, a lot of good thinking that we're going to cover during this. So 
uh, no, it's a fundamental one, and I think it's interesting um, and relevant for for now. You know, I'm going to say something kind of goofy here, but there was a phenomenal SpongeBob SquarePants episode that talked exactly what Steven is talking about. And SpongeBob had to become the best waiter for fine dining ever. And so he crammed his brain full of all this information about fine dining. But he was asked one question, one additional question, and it tipped the scales and he just lost it because his brain could not handle that one additional question and he was completely non-functional. So even, I always laugh because even in cartoons, we can, we can really get grasp some difficult topics and, it, and it's really an interesting image when you talk about the water bottle and how it, you, know, you fill it up and it's just overflowing. And I, I, I'm, one of the quotes I saw from you was about the, the world of medicine and how quickly the medicine world is, is, is transitioning. So with that said, give us your experience and your thoughts on unlearning. What is it? What are, what are your experiences around it? Your thoughts? Yeah, to me, to me, the essence of is is being willing to let go of stuff, um, let go of the past, um, and you know, because to me, like we said, like that water bottle, we all have these knowledge and skills and beliefs that we have, and the thing is, you know, like what you've just said, um, David, like the world is changing really fast, and something that's worked in the past. If the reality that you're living in change, changes, then that thing that's worked well in the past may not work in the future. And like, I, I love that um, analogy that I used in one of the articles about, you know, the, um, the medical profession. Because, you know, back in the 1980s, um, the, the general consensus was that medical knowledge was doubling every 30 years. When you look at it now in 2020, they reckon now medical knowledge is doubling every five years. And when you think about the implication of that on you know, new doctors that are just coming out, that means that if they wanna stay relevant and current, they will have to you know, probably unlearn and relearn probably you know, up to five times over their careers if they wanna stay relevant um, and, and current in what they're doing. And, and, and this is the thing that, you know, if, you know, the world is changing and we've got to be open and willing to let go of stuff when we need to. It's, it's not saying all your past knowledge and experience becomes irrelevant, but we've got to have, it's like a radar. We've got to have the radar on all the time and be open to letting go of stuff when we need to. And we, we all have a sunk cost, a natural sunk cost fallacy in our knowledge and skills. Because if you've invested time, you know, to, to build up this knowledge and skills, you know, it's, it's really tough to, to um, suddenly realize, oh, my God, you know, this is probably, you know, now no longer relevant. And, and when I think about myself, you know, when I started off my career, I started off and my big focus was I wanted to be the number one guy in project management here in Australia. That was my goal. And I invested lots of time and effort in that. And then when I went on this journey for Agile Lean, I remember sitting in a classroom one time and, and I remember just, I felt sick because I realized that a lot of what I've been doing, while it wasn't all bad and there was value in it, but there was some really big missing gaps. And it, and it was very confronting for me personally 
to, to suddenly recognize that and I had to say, well, hang on a second, I've invested all this time, but now hang on, you know, I've got to, I've got to point myself in another direction if I want to stay current and relevant. Man, Andy, thoughts, your, 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 your perspective, your, your things on this, your, your experiences on this whole unlearning side of things. Um, well, I think, I mean, just building on what Stephen was saying, I mean, I think, you know, if we just think back to what Stephen was saying about his career, and I think most of us have careers that probably look similar-ish in that they started off in, in a point and then through a series of circumstances ended up in completely different areas and maybe even coming back to where you started again. Um, so through that time, we've had to um, change and learn and unlearn um, and relearn continually. So I think we've, we've sort of all experienced that to some degree. Um, but I think the, the future is going to be far more fluid. So careers will be um, far more lattice-like, um, non-linear, and therefore, you know, skills and skill sets are going to need to change, adapt um, as you go along. So to me, the, the, you know, the currency of the future is, is really the capacity to continually adapt through, through learning. Um, I mean, I remember reading a, a book about this um, very unrelated, but around this topic many years ago, um, which became a movie called The Right Stuff. Um, and it was a book about the early uh, space era in which, uh, and, and the start of the book was um, really this whole transition, how um, the, a number of people uh, who became the, the first astronauts came from um, from those that first adapted from flying piston planes to, to jet planes. Um, and there are a number of um, pilots that, who become, who are highly competent, skilled um, propeller planes who refused to, to make the transition to, to jet planes because they thought it was, um, you know, degrading their, their skills, um, you know, and they didn't really want to relearn. So none of those people then therefore had the opportunity of becoming um, astronauts and it was sort of a good metaphor that I remember thinking about the time that um, we've got to be able to, to continually um, move forward and move on and shake our thinking and our, and our opinions about what we've done before to, you know, to continue to evolve. Andy, that's such an aha moment for me because I, I really connected with Stephen's thought about the sunk cost of knowledge and what I hear a lot about is a lot of bullying in an SDLC environment for folks who have an expert power base that's eroding and don't understand how to deal with that and aren't willing to pay the cost, the new cost of, of actually having to relearn that skill and they push back because they don't know anything else but their expert power base and they're watching it erode in front of them. I'm sure you've seen experiences like that too. Uh, all, pretty well all the time. Um, I think you're right. It is that, um, and it's the fear of, uh, you know, that you've, will often believe that your strength is through what you know um, and it's what you currently know. And when you get into that uncomfortable space of not knowing, then um, that can really diminish your um, internal view of yourself. And then Stephen, your story, you know, going back to the project management story, what was, was that, was that, that was that painful emotion of seeing all the stuff that you're missing? Is that really what became the collab became the money, the capital to make you, dump all that sunk cost that you put into to become the best project manager in Melbourne? 
Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like, I remember um, distinctly, like, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there, I remember sitting in a classroom with, with, and I was teaching a global credential course on project management, a PMP, mm-hmm. and, and I had 20 hardcore project managers in the room. And I remember standing at the top of the room thinking, I'm really confident I can deal with the, any of the questions, anything that's coming at me. And, and I had this sort of comfort, a feeling of, of comfort that I'd sort of arrived at a certain place. And then, like I said, I went on this course. I remember somebody was telling me about this great um, transformational, agile transformational consultant that was coming to Melbourne. His name was Eric Wilkie. And he was one of the top guys in America. Um, and he'd be there from the early days of the agile movement with Rally. And I went to this course with Eric and like I was saying earlier, the first day my head was spinning because I was thinking, and then that second day things started, the dots started to connect and I just went, oh my God. And, and it was just so confronting. And, and, and I suppose, you know, I, I just realized, and it was a survival thing because I could sort of see my business was starting to slow down in terms of people wanting to get project management skills and the training that I was doing. So I, it was a real survival thing for me because I realized that if I wanted to stay and, and run my business and be successful, I had to adapt. It was just absolutely critical. Um, you know, and, and you know, one, of the, one of the questions that I, I love posing to people is, you know, what do you think is your biggest limiting factor? <laughs> you know, what is your biggest limiting factor? And I will argue now that I think it's for all of us, you know, everybody's different, but I will argue is that it's our ability to let go of the past is, is a really big one. I don't know what you guys would agree. Well, I'll tell you what, I want you to hold on to that precipice at the edge of precipice thought process. That story is going to be so powerful as we dig deeper into this, um, into this conversation. Cause I think that's the thing. How do you push someone to that precipice? so they can make that unlearning change. Mm-hmm. So now we're taking a, step, taking a step in another direction. My initial reaction to unlearning was that I, I've seen it done with hard skills a lot. I mean, I've been in technical training for 25 years. You know, you go to Novell, Novell to Microsoft, Microsoft to Cisco, Cisco to VMware, VMware to the cloud, the cloud, who knows where we're going to go next. But I see a lot of folks struggle when dealing with the less tangible skills like management skills, professional skills, business skills, mindsets. So Stephen, why is that from your experience? Um, yeah, it's bloody hard. Like it's, it's not easy, isn't it? You know, and I think if you, you know, you t- take anybody and I'm sure a lot of us, each of us have an experience of, you know, you're, you're operating in more of a, a technical based role and you're really good at your job. And then somebody comes to you and says, you know, recognizing that you're really good. And then they say, oh, well, you know, can you take on a management position? Um, and then, you know, it's like probably like all of us, you suddenly get into that position and you suddenly realize that, you know, what's made you successful in your previous role is not going to be the same thing that's going to make you successful in this, the manager type role. Um, and so, you know, and we, we all go through that sort of, you know, unlearning and relearning um, step, but it's, it's, it's really hard. Like it's, it's, you know, like we said, you know, you're operating with a certain, you know, way of thinking and a way of operating that sort of becomes automatic over a while. So stepping out of that 
is 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 actually really really challenging. It's 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 not easy. So Andy, any thoughts from you on that perspective that he that Stephen was digging into? My, uh, I sort of think it just comes from a couple of experiences on that personal experiences, predominantly as as a, a manager or a new manager. Firstly, as you know, a manager of a big big team. Um, that my first sort of unlearning was um, was um, that I had assumed that because I had a reasonable capability at decision making that um, that I should therefore help people make their decisions all the time um, and I learned from uh, from hard experience that that was not a good idea and that people um, would come to me um, and I would make decisions um, but then there was no ownership or empowerment on those people. And, and after a while, it, I just learned it didn't scale very well either. I was constantly stressed and thinking about all the decisions and going in my head. And in the end, I'm sure I was helping them make um, and us make a lot of bad decisions um, on the basis that um, A, I believe A, I was wrong to think that I was probably helping them in the first place and B, um, I got worse at it over time. So that was my sort of first big unlearning as a manager was, um, you know, taking one of my strengths and realizing it was actually becoming a big weakness. Um, and I think the second one was when I became a manager of managers um, uh, was actually trying to figure out what actually I should do because again, I was used to uh, more advisory and, and an oversight, but when you start having that over, you know, 50 to hundred people, it becomes very difficult. So just that whole struggle of figuring out what my role was, um, was a big learning for me or unlearning. Yeah. You know, like what made you a good worker doesn't make you a good manager, made you a good manager doesn't make you a good manager of managers, just like Stephen was talking about. And Stephen, going back to some of the, your thoughts, looking at the, the show notes, that in some of the conversations we had before the podcast, I really kind of dug really deep into this idea of mindsets and underlying beliefs. I'm starting to become really intrigued that, okay, the technical stuff is things that we do. These underlying beliefs are how we get things done. And, and I think it's the underlying beliefs that are so hard, they're just so hard to pull. And those things are to get how you get things done basis of your management skills and, and your professional skills. And, you have things about the growth and fixed mindset and the infinite mindset. Do you want to um, kind of elaborate a little bit more on that mindset issue and underlying belief issue? Do you agree with that? Yeah, totally, David. I think, and this is where I've sort of, like I explained earlier, how my, my business and my focus has evolved because, you know, to me, this is the really big thing is, you know, you've got to, you know, and, and when we look at the way the world has changed now, um, and you look at the kind of, you know, the, you know, the challenges that organizations are faced with now in terms of um, being able to, you know, build the right kind of organizations that are going to be able to survive and thrive in this kind of really fast changing world. A lot of times it comes back to, well, what are those underlying beliefs that people have around how we do things? You know, how should we organize ourselves? How should we, you know... Um, you know, do our funding models, our governance models, how should we reward people? These are the really big things. And, you know, because we have these, you know, our senior leaders have these beliefs around, you know, how our organizations should be designed, organi uh, 
organized and managed. And, you know, and to me, a lot of those go back to the, you know, industrial area, the mechanistic era. And, you know, and, and as we know from sort of agile thinking and lean thinking, it's, we've got to try and shift that. Um, and, you know, and, and it's proven, you know, and, and this is one of the things I think that is probably one of the core beliefs that we want everybody to, to start off with is that we can change and adapt and we can change our mindset. Um, you know, and you look at all of the, like you mentioned there, you know, um, what Barry talks about in his unlearning book, you know, Barbara Arrowsmith, she wrote a great book talking about the woman who changed her brain. And it's a fascinating story. You know, she was built, she, she was born with these sort of um, really major challenges and she, she re- ends up rewiring her, her brain and all the work around brain plasticity and how we can change it. You know, Carol Dweck, Growth and Fixed Mindset. And, you know, I've got young kids now and you just go to the, their school and you see all of the kind of narratives they have. Um, so, you know, we've got to, I think we've got to start with being aware of what are our certain beliefs that we have and then be open to, to challenging these. And I think what, what even sits be, below the beliefs is assumptions, you know, because we all have assumptions and those assumptions then turn into beliefs. And I think we've got to be open to challenging those assumptions. Um, and then once we're open to challenging those assumptions, then that opens the door for us to be able to, 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 to really start questioning and, and, and evolving our beliefs to, to, to where I think we, we need to um, try to get them. Um, but it's funny how, like you were saying, there's so many people who I believe are saying a lot of the same thing. Carol Dweck, Simon Sinek's book, like you mentioned, The Infinite Mindset. You know, there's another fantastic guy who I came across a couple of years ago, um, Tom Bilyeu. He runs a, a talk show called Impact Theory. Um, and, and it's just, you know, everybody recognizes that this is the really big key is, is, is tackling, um, you know, the, the, the mindset. This is how we can really move the dial in a big way. Well, for the show notes or maybe even afterwards, I'd love to get some thoughts on, on what to read on assumptions to beliefs. Because that was something that really that, that I had not dug too much into, but makes a ton of sense. And then, Andy, you know, one of the things I got out of that is he was really digging deeper into it. It's like relative versus absolute. You know, we think that beliefs are absolute, but at some point, it's almost like your beliefs have to become somewhat relative. They have to be malleable, but there has to be a foundation somewhere. What, what's your thought on that? Or is it really getting to the point where because the pace of change is happening so quickly, we have to have a, a world of relative beliefs? Yeah, I think that that is exactly the point. Um, I think beliefs, um, you know, in the discussion we had um, in the last session with, with Jackie McGuire, I think to me, um, the starting point for a lot of this is actually for people to have to have a set of values um, and your values should help shape your beliefs. Um, so I think that, to me, that's often the start point. A missing point is that people really um, don't often have a, a thought or considered set of values that they're trying to, to develop or, and, or, or things that they actually have that are, that are important to them. Um, so once you've, once you're clear on that, then you can use the, your values to help change your attitudes and beliefs um, through your actions. Man. So I think that's probably another missing step is, is to be clear on what your values are. 
it's important. And I think people have struggled just even understanding value as we talk about with the whole concept of axiology. So now to the next question. And this was by far the question that kind of blew my mind as I was doing the research on it and preparing was, you know, I have 25 years of business to business for-profit learning experience. I do consulting. I consult at the board level. I consult for private equity. And as I started learning about this unlearning stuff, I was like, God, am I just like regurgitating crap and basically <laughs> telling people useless stuff? And I, I, and I, maybe it's better. I think like an infant more than like somebody who's got this experience. And, but then, then I started realizing that, you know, how do I make those change and adjustments? And Stephen starts talking about this concept of being uncomfortable and courageous as part of the learning experience. And then I brought it all back to, my gosh, for years, I measured training on the happy sheets that I do a training program to make sure everybody's happy after the fact. So my question to you, Stephen, is tell me, and this is kind of combining two questions, but tell me your thoughts around how, how uncomfortable do we have to get to really learn? Where, where is the precipice? Where is the edge? And how does all this put together? I mean, can you be somewhat comfortable and learn or do you really have to be pushed? It, elaborate. Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting question, David. Yeah, I think, you know, I suppose I would start by saying, you know, nothing interesting starts with knowing. You have to not know something. So, you know, to me, um, you, you, know, you know, when we talk about our comfort zone, you know, you, you know your learning is outside of your comfort zone. Um, and, you know, but then, you know, a very important thing is, is brain chemistry. So, you know, cortisol versus oxytocin. And you can, if you, you know, get people to, to suddenly be really frightened, then that's not going to help with, with the whole learning experience. But, you know, to me, I think you've got to create safe environments where people feel psychologically safe, you know, financially safe, maybe, you know, and, um, you know, physically safe. But you've got to be able to get them, you know, to be able to step out and, feel, and be uncomfortable. And, but then you've got to be able to obviously take them back. And, and I love, one of the guys who I love is, um, is Edgar Schein. And he talks about two types of anxiety that people have. Survival anxiety and learning anxiety. And, and to me, the really important thing, I think you've... You know, survival anxiety is obviously if you're afraid you're not going to be able to survive and feed the family is, is, a, is, is obviously a really big driver. But he said the really important one to tackle is the learning anxiety. So if you can build people that they will be given the time and space to be able to learn and, and they can learn and you build that confidence in them being able to learn, then getting them to feel uncomfortable, but then, you know, they've, they've been able to do it in the past and then you're, 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 you're sort of building on that. Um, and I just think it, it, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's so important that, you know, if you want to, you know, like, you know, unlearn something, let go of some, some, some stuff that's not working, then you have to relearn something else. And when you relearn something else, you become a beginner again. And you have to be willing to be able to do that um, and to start learning something new. And, you're, you know, like anything in life, when you start learning something new, you're not, you're not going to be great at it. 
And you've got to be willing to do that because that's how you're going to be able to improve and develop, but you've got to be willing to go there. So again, I just think it's, it's such an important part of, of, of that. Andy, thoughts? I know you have a lot of thoughts and mindsets associated with this from our conversations. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, research now on, um, you know, in this space that would indicate that, you know, obviously for, for learning to happen, it has to have a series of factors that, um, that, that exist. Uh, I think firstly, you've got to be able to pay attention um, and so if you're doing a training course, how actively are people actually involved and, you know, and, and, and paying attention? So that's the first thing. The next thing is to be able to sort of generate um, new knowledge or insights based on probably on what people know, but also perhaps um, in a way that relates to, you know, to how they learn as well. And then the third area is, emo is being... Um, is for things to stick and for them to make a difference is it's got to have come from an emotional aspect as well. So when Stephen was talking about, you know, he, his realization that became, he said it, it made him feel sick, you know, to me, that's that real emotional connection to, to the learning that, um, that, that he had to it. Um, and the other aspect um, that relates to the way that learning um, should happen is through spacing as well. So, you know, that should be over time. So you might make an initial connection, but to reinforce that, you've got to have that connection reinforced over time. Um, so coming back to the point about being uncomfortable, um, I think that's, you know, if you think about those four areas, it's, it's, it, it's necessary in a way. Um, but, it, you know, you could be, you could have a, a positive emotion as well. So, so you could have a really, um, you know, a, a real delightful experience and it's still a great learning thing because it's generated an, a positive emotion. So um, I don't think it has to be always uncomfortable. Um, I think that's often a condition to help um, to grab your attention and to make it stick. Um, but it could be a very positive one as well. Where you have a sudden insight, where, which is a really... Um, powerful one that you almost think is a life-changing one and that's not always bad it can be quite good you know I'm I'm just you know absorbing this and, and, and in some ways scared because my gosh how much value am I presenting if I'm not unlearning and, and then part of me got a great deal of intellectual curiosity but I'll ask both of you and Stephen since you're the guest you can start first is is there a group of people that just can't do this? So in self-organized teams, Andy and I, you know, with our guest, Michael, we were talking about one third, one third, one third, you know, one third are just going to do it. One third are going to sit there and wait and do it. And then one third who are never going to do it. I mean, and Stephen, is, is it as simple as like saying, Hey, write down the top three things you have to unlearn so that people can grasp it pretty quickly. Or is there just going to be a group of people that are going to have a very hard time, you know, grappling with this concept? Yeah, so it's a great question, David. I, 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 like, I just so fundamentally believe that all of us, you know, can do it. Um, you know, but, and, and, you know, and I think, you know, at, for leaders, it's really important that they create the right environment and the right system that people are operating within where you allow people and, and provide the right sort of environment that they can, can do this. But, there is going to be those ones that that will 
embrace this quicker and faster. Um, but, you know, I just, I really do worry about people that, you know, and I, and I think that's why, you know, I feel like this is a skill. It's like a muscle. You know, you've got to start doing it. And the more you do it, the, it, you build confidence in your ability to be able to do it. And, you know, when you look at, you know, and as we've talked earlier, the kind of world we're living in now where things are changing at an incredible rate and they're not going to slow down, down anytime soon, that this is just, uh, I really worry for those people if they don't start to, you know, build this muscle and, 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 and be, be open and willing to do this. Then, then I just think it's 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 really scary in terms of the future and and you know making sure you're staying current and relevant. Um, but but I do genuinely believe that all of us have this this you know this ability to be able to do it and to to learn it and and improve. But but again, that you know you've got to have the system and the environment that you're operating within. Um, so in our DNA, Stephen, our human DNA. Yeah, like it's, it's, I reckon it is. It has to be become. And, you know, that's, you know, when I look at what I'm doing now, I just, it's a, there's a great book I read. Um, I don't know if anybody of the rest of people on the podcast by Gary Keller, and he talks about the one thing, hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's a great book. It's like, um, you know, if you at any point in time, you know, what's the one thing that's most important for you to focus on? And he said, you know, success is anything is like lining up a series of dominoes. And at any point you're trying to figure out, well, now what's the, what's the one thing that would make things easier, you know, for me going forward. And, and I just think unlearning and building that ability to be able to unlearn and relearn is like, it is such a foundational piece now for, for us, for the future, given the nature of the kind of world we're, we're living in. Andy, come on. I know you got thoughts on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do, as you'd expect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the thing that I've sort of been puzzling about this is that, uh, you know, and I think this the problem for a lot of people, especially those that have been out of the education system for a long time, is they don't have very good systems of learning. Um, so one of the things that I have learned, um, through unlearning is that there's a lot of unlearning about what I learned. Um, and I need to, and I've had to rethink and relearn how to learn. Um, and, and that's because, you know, this, the school system that I grew up in is very different from the school system of my children. Um, and they, they teach, um, they have a lot better knowledge around what um, good learning is and how to do it as opposed to my age, which was predominantly based around the industrial era of education where we all pushed through like a, a factory um, for learning um, and without a lot of knowledge about individual differences or, or ways of learning. So, you know, what I, I mean, a good start point, for example, a few years ago, I did the learning to learn course, which is the number one um, MOOC uh, course online and that was a real eye-opener for me in terms of modern learning theory and how I could learn better. More recently I've been reading a book called Limitless by a guy Jim Quick which again I think is a fantastic summary on um, on this concept by the title Limitless means that we, ha we have no limits to what we can learn um, and the book is a really fantastic resource for, for people to learn 
to challenge some of their, their thinking, but also to develop new approaches to learn and how you can become limitless through applying modern and um, more appropriate learning techniques. So for me, that's the foundational thing. Learning to, or relearning to learn is, is probably the start point. Once you can realize that you can learn a lot better and faster, then you, you then don't have the same uh, reticence about learning. So that's, I think, what, almost a start point. Then we've got to have the system, as Stephen said, um, within to support that. Because as I'm learning, I'm, not, I'm going to get to that um, consciously incompetent point. And, and I've got to have a forgiving system when I'm at that point. Or I may feel um, bad about you know, my conscious incompetence. I'm not good at something and I might revert back. Um, it's, that's the real hard point, that transition point from when I, I'm learning something and want to and wanted to do something to when I become good at it. Um, and if we, if the system doesn't support it well, then that's where people give up. They, um, you know, they don't have the ability to sort of uh, take that. And then that's not understandable. Totally understandable. You know, I'm going to be a bit of a curmudgeon here and say an adaptive leader says that ultimately there are casualties and, I think, but an adaptive leader with a growth mindset was like Stephen saying that everybody can change, but I just look at, you know, consistently the number of people being left behind and then the number of open jobs that just can't be filled. And I wonder, you know, is it truly in our DNA or what can we do to make it better? And I'm not going to let you answer that, but I'm going to say, Stephen, before we summarize, would you be willing to come back and answer that question and dig deeper into the future of learning tied to unlearning? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an important topic, David. Yeah. And, and I loved what Andy was saying there. It's just, you know, that's like a, a start point. Yeah. Great. We love to just think you have, you have so much to share and what I, I truly believe is, uh, is, a, is something that we have to solve or we are in serious trouble. So with that said, you know, I, I think this session was such a powerful way to help our audience start unpacking a very difficult concept, this concept of unlearning to grow, and then tie that with the physical skills, you know, the, the, the more technical skills, and then the more, you know, professional skills, the differences, and then getting into the idea of, you know, do, what type of system do you best learn in, uncomfortable or open and seeking? And, and, and what I would want from both of you, just, you know, and maybe like, 40 seconds to a minute, you know, just kind of summarize, you know, what do you think are the best core attributes that, you know, someone should take from this, from an understanding unlearning? So Stephen, we'll start with you. What do you think that the core elements they should take back with them and, and start acting on? Um, well, to me, it's, it's just like, you know, I think, um, you know, unlearning, you know, unlearning and relearning is just such a foundational thing for the, for the future. And I think, you know, it starts with being open and curious. And, you know, and if, you can, if you're not open and curious and you've got this fixed mindset around, I just know it, then you're not even going to get off the starting blocks. So you've got to be open and curious and, and willing to do it. And, you know, and, and, you know, and I just, you know, I, I think it's a foundation for the future. And then once we, we have the right foundations in place, then... I just think the future is really exciting and, you know, and bring it on. But, but if we don't have the right foundations in place, then, um, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it can be really worrying and frightening. Um, you know, and it's, it's, 
it's something like we talked earlier. It's, it's it, you know, trying to change, you know, because of the way where our, our brains are, uh, you know, are operating. It's not something that's easy to do, but we can do it. And, you know, we've just got to start with, the, there's a great, so Barry O'Reilly wrote a great book and I, he has a mantra that I think is just so fantastic. He said, think big, start small, learn fast. And, and to me, I just think that is just such a good mantra for the future. Think big, be bold, you know, think of the vision of where you want to go, but start small. So start with something where it's safe to do it, something small that, you know, you can recover from and then learn, you know, is it working? Is it moving me to where I want to get from an outcome point of view or is it not? And if it's not, I've got to try something else. And it's like, so, you know, experimentation is such a core part of this, you know, being able to experiment with, with our behaviors or, our, our, you know, start doing things differently. And that's how we evolve our mindset. You can't talk your way to it. You've got to act your way to it. Andy, what says you? Uh, I just think that belief, you know, firstly, we now know that, um, you know, we have an infinite capacity to, 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 to learn. We continue to grow brain cells, um, uh, as long as we keep using them. So it's use it or lose it. So in a way, there's a real dividend for, for continuing to learn and unlearn because we'll grow new brain cells to, to accommodate that. So we just get smarter and smarter, better and better. So there is no fixed capacity. Um, we can continue to learn and relearn. And through that, we will develop, um, uh, continue to grow as people, as a society, um, hopefully. Uh, and to me, it's an antidote to, to the issue, a lot of the issues of, of today. Man, I love the optimism. So with this gentleman, we're going to close out and we have Stephen on the hook right in the middle of the session to come back and dig into some of the learning systems we have to do and build to get to this next step. And thank you, Stephen. Thank you for participating with us. It was a great pleasure having you. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Better Work Project. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. If you have specific suggestions or ideas for future podcasts, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Continue to fight the good fight. We'll see you the next time on the Better Work Project. Thank you.